0: I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons.
1: This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is in not as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't
2: want to do another stomp you out speech.
1: It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal.
2: Listen to The Deal.
1: Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
0: Welcome in, everyone, to the uh, Sunday evening live stream brought to you by Mark Saunders and Allstate Insurance. Rod, Jerry,
1: you guys doing all right this weekend? Have a good weekend. Hey, man, I'm I'm doing great. I mean, you know, I wasn't at uh, Fertitta Center yesterday, so that was a good start for the weekend, not being there for that game. Uh, Somebody already hit us out the live stream during the NBA All-Star Game. Just keep us updated on how many threes Steph Curry hits in the first hour. I'm sure it's going to be 12 or 13 at the rate he's been going. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I see people checking in from Longview, Tyler, Port Arthur, Blytheville, Arkansas. Has anybody ever been to Blytheville, Arkansas? Bobby Oh. oh, Yeah. There you go. There was some some tied in there in 1987 or something that ran
2: a 4-9. I don't know. Bobby's been everywhere, man. Bobby's one of those. I've been everywhere, man.
0: I, I will tell you, if it if it's on 30, 40, I-20, or I-10, the chances are, if it's within an hour of those and has had a football player, in my lifetime, I have been there. Uh, so yes, yeah. you're, right. you're right, Jerry. <laughs> hey, guys, uh, welcome in Rod Babers. Also, uh, Rod, Longhorns did lose to Houston down in, uh, uh, mm. to the Cougars down in the uh, Fertitta Damn Center. Uh, that was not a pretty game. Longhorn baseball team. That was the basketball team. Baseball team though took two of three from San Diego. Uh, the the rubber match just finished about an hour ago. The Longhorns winning that one uh, nine to four. They lost last night in eleven innings, six to five. Um, interesting team right now. Texas looks like a, a decent baseball team, but not perfect. You know, somewhat what you expect early on in a in a uh, baseball season. But they do take two of three uh from uh the University of San Diego Toreros, I believe is their nickname. Uh, Rod, uh, you know, you talk to me about where you're at with this weekend and uh what you had what you had for us in store and that
2: sort of thing. Hey I had a I had a I had a good weekend man but I didn't have a, a better weekend than uh Sark. Sark had Sark had bought <laughs> the best weekend of anybody. So that was a hell of a weekend right there man. I don't know when he signed it officially, but as the details broke this weekend. I thought to myself, damn, Sark is having himself a hell of a weekend. And you know what? He deserves it. Hey, Sark, you deserve it, baby. I'm happy for it. He earned, he hey, earned watch, that watch. bread. The Woo! question is, him and L'Oreal have a, a few months
1: to they gotta prepare hey. these game day Bevo Boulevard threads now with 10 million a year. Woo! So it's gonna be for something with five and a half a year. That's gonna be wireless.
0: It's not just 10 million, it's 10.3 to 10.9.
2: Private jet. Private jet.
0: Hey, two cars, club membership, 20 hours of private jet usage. Oh, yeah. $300,000 bonus, almost guaranteed. Then you get another 1.25 million possibility. Yeah. Um, Well, here's the other thing. I, I need to call him up. I need to call. Sark Enterprises and ask for a loan. All he had to do
2: was win at Texas. Look what it gets you. You win at Texas. Look at that. It, it, that it's a, come on, guys. That's what it. If you win at Texas, you will get paid like that. I, get, it just, I guess it's hard to do, but Sark did it. So, hey, congrats to the man. Hey, look See, at the, hey, look
0: Steve at As much as we're saying here, and, yeah. and there's some, some comments in the chat. We're just we're just busting it a little bit on Sark. No. We don't we don't disagree with Texas doing it, and it wasn't no, it's good. Uh, it, it wasn't a negative contract, so Hell this no. isn't lifetime agreement that that uh, you know Jimbo Fisher tried to you know fleece the Aggies for. It's a little <laughs> bit different. Uh, so uh, yeah, we're, we're just we're yeah. just having fun chopping it up a little bit on a Sunday yeah. night,
1: uh, Jerry. Uh, you know we talk about it. You, you have any take, takeaways on
0: that contract?
1: Yeah. So the company he's now in is ten million or higher in college football is mm-hmm. Dabo. Couple of national titles. Yep. Kirby Smart, two national titles. Uh Ryan Day started on third base. Can't get that runner home, but been to the playoff, right? Um, then you have Brian Kelly's knocking on that door 9.910 whenever that turns over the 10. Kalen DeBoer, 10. Guys that have won a national title or been to a college football playoff, right? I mean, that that is the company he now is in after making a uh, college football playoff at the university of texas and uh i'm i'm guessing uh you know a little bit of that extra bonus money came in for sending brett yormark out uh, stuttering without being able to pronounce anything at the uh, trophy ceremony the only thing that would have made it higher if he would have beat ou and or if they would have played am and beat am this year
0: yeah. that that would have been a, a, an extra digit maybe on that contract Uh, Hey, before we get going to questions and uh, talking about some other stuff going on, I want to say thank you to our sponsor. Each and every Sunday night, uh, it is brought to you by Allstate agent Mark Saunders. When it comes to protecting all your stuff, wouldn't it be great to have one place that protects it all? Here's some uh, good news. Texas Allstate agent Mark Saunders is the only insurance agent you need to help keep tabs on protection for all your stuff. Everything from your home, car, boat, motorcycle, RV, ATV. Whatever you've got, whatever you've got, call Texas All Estate Agent Mark Saunders' office today at 512-218-8571. Are you good in are you in good hands? With more than 35 years of experience, you will be with Texas Alum, Mark Saunders. Once again, give him a call. 512-218-8571. Uh, I look at it, guys, and and uh going down the list. Some people are also asking about the assistant salaries. Yeah, uh, your mark's still in therapy. Some people are asking still about uh, some assistant salaries. <laughs> PK uh, got a big raise. Kyle Flood got a nice raise. Jeff Banks got a, a big raise. So the coordinators all got nice
1: raises as well. And, 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 ex- and extended the twenty twenty six, which we can talk about. That wasn't the case with all assistants, you know. So it wasn't just blanket everybody's extended through twenty twenty six. That was more. Both coordinators and Jeff Banks, who, I mean, is assist, essentially the assistant GM, the SARC, uh, in the whole uh, Texas football program. Uh, but then you had Tashard Choice getting a, a, a little bump and extended to 2025. A uh, couple others extended through 2025. Johnny Nance and Kenny Baker contract. I, I haven't seen any terms for those. Uh, then you had Tashard Choice. I mean, then you had uh, defensive backs coach Blake Gideon. And, and Terry Joseph extended through 24. So not everybody got the same length of extension, obviously, uh, which is, is to be expected.
0: Yep. Uh, good stuff. Good stuff, guys. All right. We're going to take y'all's questions uh, coming up here. Uh, we also have a special guest, we hope, uh, expected uh, around 730 this evening. That's Santana Wilson, uh, defensive back out of Arizona. His dad, Adrian Wilson, former All-Pro. Uh, Santana signed with the Longhorns in December, is not on campus yet, will be joining us, and uh, will be joining the team in May of this year, uh, but uh, hopefully he talks to us a little bit uh, this evening on the live stream here uh, with Rod Babers and Jerry Hamilton, as well as myself. Uh, guys, I, I look I look at all of this stuff and what's going on right now in recruiting Jerry, and I wanted to get your take on it. Uh, you put up something today or, or over the weekend about the offensive line recruits, Uh, where is Texas at in that, that scenario right now? And I thought the reason I really wanted to bring it up is we often talk about recruiting on here. You had a number that you thought Texas was going to try to get to. I had been hearing it would be four signees in 2025. You're hearing it's more like five. Is that accurate?
1: I think it could go to five in the offensive line class in 25, because there's such depth of talent, not only in state, but just guys, Texas can, uh, Uh, can get in on right now. The whole kicker is if you have four and Fasusi decides to go your way, obviously you have five at that point in time, right? I mean, so could you end a class with four? Yeah, but if you get the right five, uh, it's not to be ruled out in this class. Um, One of the things I I kind of reported it on Texas football, Fasusi is expected with his family at some point uh, in April. I believe that'll be to make a visit to Texas. John Mills out of San Francisco, who, uh, Texas, they're very high on in the building, will be back in early April, an official visit June 14th through 16th. And there's a lot of guys that are being evaluated. That's the one thing I want to keep stressing. While, you know, there's some guys that could pick up the phone and commit to Texas right now, there's not a push uh, in March. A lot of guys are going to be like, will Texas get two or three commitments in April? I'm the definitely not ruling it out, guys. I think they have a little momentum, but – that spring evaluation period to kind of finalize these boards headed into June official visits is definitely in play. Uh, And and those that have followed Sark's recruiting at Texas is uh, we call it recruit through the whistle, evaluate through the whistle, put all of it through the whistle, but uh, that's what they're going to do. There's, this is not going to be a class that fills up fast. Uh, This is a, they're going to make the most of their spring evaluation period, go out and see more guys, see some of those guys. Once again, they've offered, whether that was the 19 uh, January f- through February second offers in the 25 class, or guys they had previously offered, this is going to be a thorough evaluated class as normal.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm interested to see where they go as far as tackle, guard,
1: in center. They're going to do one, two, and two. or What are they trying to do there? Yeah, I don't know. I I, I don't. I, I'm not for sure on that. Two tackles is is going to be needed in this class uh, after taking three in the class last year and it was center guard right tackle Brandon Baker will start his career at right tackle does that mean he, will, he won't cross train no Cameron Williams cross train they'll cross train him but he's kind of looked at as a, a really talented right tackle prospect especially considering Trevor Gooseby's looked at as a very talented young left tackle uh, so I think you're going to see two tackles in that class I'm not sure you get a center in this class could it be a guard that uh, works at center. I mean, Jaden Chapman's worked at all every position at some point since he's been on campus at Texas. Um, so I uh, but I think you're more more headed to tackles guards with the center position, actually maybe being the deepest on the offensive line this spring, guys. I mean, you got Jake Majors, Cole Hudson, Connor Robertson, and Daniel Cruz. Name the, name the, uh, uh, any other time you've talked about Texas having that type of experience and depth at the center position. Not in my years covering this. All right. Uh, next piece I want to go to that we
0: I wanted to talk about. And it was a discussion over on on earlier today. And I want to get Rod's feedback on it. Jerry, Jerry, you started this thread. Um, we've talked about the 2024 draft NFL draft and Longhorns in it. 11 Longhorns invited to the combine, a modern day record for Texas for the class of 2024 recruiting. All right. Now we're NFL draft, right? Well, the There were a couple of mock drafts come out for 2025 that included some Longhorns on them. I'm going to have Matt bring these up and I'm going to ask you, Rod Babers, about some of these names. Look who comes in at number 10, but wait till you see who is number 11. Let me read these. Uh, these are all guys that Texas is playing wow. against. So Michael Williams, a great player. Mason Graham, great player at Michigan. Will Johnson, I think he had three guys in the in the uh, first round for Michigan. Not only Will Johnson, but also Mason Graham and Kenneth Grant. Malachi Starks, starts the safety. Kelvin Banks at ten, Ethan Burke at eleven, Quinn wow. Ewers at sixteen, uh, Stutzman the linebacker out of Oklahoma uh, going in the first round. Then they have the corner and an offensive lineman out of Georgia. Georgia is absolutely loaded. Uh, Landon Jackson they have going in the first round out of Arkansas. And t- to be fair. That's that's our friend that's committed to Texas, his brother. Uh, So that's uh, a big big deal, Lance Jackson, uh, for for that family. Uh, But what do you think of that? I mean, all of these names look pretty familiar, but, man, Ethan Burke at 11, Rod?
2: I think that was the most surprising. Kelvin Banks, of course, I mean, it goes without saying, that's not surprising at all, him being in the top 10. Uh, Guys consider first-round picks basically the way he performed as a freshman (laughs) up against – you know, uh, players who were drafted in the first round. I mean, he's got that kind of tape where he actually, you know, had quality reps and uh, winning reps against first round picks. So that's not surprising. Quinn Ewers, not surprising at all. I mean, that's, and you talked about it, Bob, he's got the potential for it to be a 1-1 guy if he ultimately can exceed his his ceiling as a player. Uh, but first round, that's not shocking. The Ethan Burke one is a little surprising. Uh, if he tests really well, I could see it um and you know this is a guy that can move around really well I mean that's really impressive when you just watch him it jumps out on the screen how well he moves for a guy his size uh his pad level naturally for a guy his size that's kind of freakish for him to have that kind of pad level and be that tall and, and I love the fact that use him in a two-point stance three-point stance so if he tests well and then next year takes a leap in production I mean it's not crazy I mean we've seen crazier things happen that's not crazy at all I just I haven't seen it any projections of that i will say that that's what right, jerry, I, that's what you, I was gonna go,
0: say hold on one second jerry you, you you're you agree with yours and banks right jerry what what about burke and where do
1: you come out with that so i think burke is um uh, look he, here's the move for 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 the texas defensive line guys it's so critical they're now going to the sec the offensive line in the big 12 it got good tackle a couple other guys but not a lot of NFL prospects Texas went up against in conference play last year. Just wasn't that level, especially on the interior. Next year, you're moving to the SEC, which has longer levered, longer arms, larger humans. So if in Ethan Burke in year three, he had, what, 41 tackles, five and a half sacks. Playing through, by the way, missing a conference game, playing through a knee injury, which he had the, the surgery on during the season, missed a little time. If he goes, stepped up 45, 50 tackles, six, seven sacks in the SEC next year, sign me up for that, guys, because he's going to test well when these guys start looking at his lacrosse background, and they're going to say, okay, this guy's tough. He played through injury. He's got 84 five-inch wingspan. He's got a great motor. He's a tough guy. He's obviously football intelligent. You can drop him. You can do things with him, as Rod mentioned. If he goes and has a productive year in the SEC next year, I, I it won't shock me if he doesn't appear on a lot of mock drafts. Uh, the, the other mock, There was two mock drafts in this, by the way. Mm-hmm. One, the, the Walter football, and I'm not taking shots, they were missing Colton Loveland, the tight end from Michigan. He's an obvious first-round pick, the number one tight end in next year's draft. Arguably, he would have been probably been two behind Bowers, but I'm not so sure if they came out the same year and they didn't go – work out next to each other what happens there um but the other mock draft i looked at at isaiah bond in the first round at 30 i could see that that's ten five hundred meter speed and yeah. if he goes up, up big numbers at texas this year um yep. I, that's not out of the question no that's not stuff.
2: that wouldn't be crazy. i
1: i tell you what both of these i think that counted
0: seven different players between the two mock drafts you put up there seven yep. different georgia players rod and jerry oh yeah <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's in a like, second.
0: take your pick, baby. They've got offensive linemen, defensive linemen. they got DBs. Uh, they, you know, they are they are loaded uh, yeah. at Georgia. There's no doubt about that. So, it,
1: it, look, goes to that it goes to the, comment, the questions we had in our chat in the last week. Who's the best offensive line Texas is going to play against? It's Georgia, hands down. Remember that question? Yep. No question about it. There's two different Georgia guys mocked in the first round. Tate Ratledge is tremendous run blocker coming back. I mean, Georgia has three big time pro prospects coming back on their offensive line, and we don't have to talk about all the talent they've recruited. I mean, you're talking. We talk about Texas Mm -hmm. and a grown up offensive line with depth. Georgia's going to look the same physically, um, and and probably have very similar depth, despite who they lost this year. Yeah, good stuff. And the other, the other one I wanted to mention there, there was one Aggie on that list.
0: Uh, and that was Trey Zune, uh, an offensive lineman originally from Fort Collins, Colorado, uh, that uh, ended up going to A&M. He was a list. And then Danny Stutzman, the Oklahoma linebacker. And, Rod, I didn't I didn't agree I can, with this one. Gentry, Gentry Williams, the corner out of OU, he doesn't – does he run well enough to, to be a first-round corner?
2: Yeah, that's. I, I'm not sure about that one, but Stutzman, he's the real deal. I, that dude, yeah, yeah I, I can see him being a first-rounder.
0: Yeah. He plays,
2: he plays smart. Yeah.
0: He's fairly athletic. I just, I don't know if he's a first round athlete would be my question on him, Uh, but mentally first rounder all the way, you know, and that, and that matters Uh, that really matters whenever you're talking about a guy that, I mean, Texas, you look at Texas Stutzman, the linebacker, Jalen Ford played that way this year in so many respects. He, He may not be a first round pick, but mentally he was right. I mean, he, he, he connected the back in front of the defense.
2: It is tough to be a line, off-ball linebacker to a first-round pick, though they just don't value the position like that. It's not a premium position, so if that, I, that that that's what pushes people out of the first round, you only get like one or two of them potentially in the first round, maybe.
1: Hey, Rod, I want to ask you something about linebacker because this led into a question. You were at the Super Bowl. Obviously, you're you're Greenlaw. We talked about that—the most brutal injury of all time, worst time. So, um, but. The linebackers you watched on those two teams. This is it, Anthony Hill. That's the closest thing long term to one of those guys. Is Jalen Ford that level athlete? I mean, Fred Warner can run, right? I mean, he those can. guys can really run on both sides of the ball. Both all those linebackers in that game. What were kind of your thoughts any the comparisons with what you've seen from Texas guys not being that good? Just you know, are or, or do we overhype the guys a little bit?
2: I mean, I tell people all the time that you know, Dre Greenlaw, I believe was a what fifth round pick. Yep. I think Fred Warner was a third round pick. Um, that's just kind of where our off-ball linebackers are drafted these days. It really is less about the overall evaluation. I do think Jalen Ford has a chance, depending on where he goes and what system is to, to be an NFL starter. At one point in his career, I do. I really, I, I think he's got that ability. Is he a is he a freak like a Fred Warner? I do think coverage wise, he's a natural coverage linebacker. I think that's his strength. Um, I don't know if he's a Fred Warner where you can put him on, you know, Travis Kelsey <laughs> as a point man and then, you know, let him cover him. I don't know if he's that kind of, but I do think coverage is his strength. And that both well, that translates really well to an NFL where you know there it's a pass first league. It's a it's a passing league, it's a throwing league. So that'll his, I think what he's gonna have to do is can he put on mass, can he put on bulk and still keep his speed and his range as a linebacker at the NFL level? That's gonna be kind of the key for him because he's gotta put on a little bit of weight, uh, just considering how they're gonna he's gonna have to, you know, be a run stuffer at times and be a run thumper. And that may be what holds him back from being a starter, but I do think it's in him. I do think he projects to be a starter at, at, if if he can continue to stay healthy and he continues to improve every year. I think he projects to be a starter in the league.
0: Rod, you know what I saw, and I'd ask you about this: uh, the physicality those guys play with at the NFL level. Exactly, it's freaky.
2: He's got to put on weight. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, it, it's yeah. the there. The, look, there are good linebackers in, the, in college football. Don't get me wrong. But NFL linebackers, they, they, this is the other thing. The best ones don't always come from the biggest schools. Yeah, no. Like you, you, most of the best wide receivers, quarterbacks, blah, blah, blah. They all come from linebackers is, I mean, they could come from Memphis or, you know, who yeah. knows Northern Arizona. I mean, you just don't, it, it's really interesting to me because they don't necessarily fit a prototype. Right. They're, they're more of, can you really be that physical and play through everything and all the traffic and see it? It's just a different spot than just about any in in uh, pro football, in my opinion. I
2: agree. Yeah, I think it's turned into one of those
1: positions. Bobby, to your point, that's one of the the things talked about in recruiting, right, is uh, so many of these, the bigger colleges take the longer arm frame guy and want to develop him at linebacker. But man, I've always said running back and linebacker Rod are the two most instinctive positions in football. Mm-hmm. And so, a lot I think a lot of these bigger schools at times they want to go they want to go through the wingspan hand test and uh, test out all these guys and see what can we develop this guy into at linebacker, and that may work in some schemes. But then when you get to the pro level, I man, you gotta be you gotta be hyper instinctive at linebacker.
2: Yep. I agree. Yep, and a coach to be able to evaluate it, to figure it out when you're, you know, drafting those guys. I think that's an art form too. Some yeah. coaches know that. Oh no, this guy, this guy actually gets it. He he's a natural linebacker. Or you know, think about Demarvin Overshown, right? And this is why systems are important. Yes. Dan, he was a perfect Dan Quinn system linebacker, right? Is he going to be a, a Mike Zimmer kind of linebacker? right? Dan Quinn liked hybrids. He loved guys like DeMar Vion Overshaw. That's why they were raving about DeMar Vion Overshaw in that system. Now I'm not saying it's, you know, he's not going to obviously be compatible with Zimmer's system, but there's a question mark now. So being, being a fit in a system also matters with your skill set um, because, you know, Zimmer's a guy that likes to play oh kind of 4-3. You, you know, he wants this a different type of system than a, a Dan Quinn system. So uh, that I was thinking about that the other day and I was just, that's one of the things about projecting a guy at the NFL level. You can project all you want, but if they get in the wrong system for their skill set, it, it really can hinder your progress in development.
0: I got a question here that I want to get to coming out of the chat real quick. And Jerry, you, you could answer this for us. Who's the must get offense and defense prospect this
1: cycle, in your opinion? Must get. Is there one? I, I'm not sure there is like, so I think Fasusi and Decorian Moore as close to that as you as you can get on the offensive side. And I'm talking about four Texas. But my reality is John Turntine in 26 at offensive tackle is the top prospect in the state, regardless of classification. That was last year as a sophomore with the uh, 24, 25, 26 class. So I, I think Turntine may even more so uh, n- next year. And then, you know, for... On defense, for me, I mean, I think with Texas, Dorian Bruce, a guy that's very, very high up on the board with the Texas staff. I was over there uh, Thursday. But then the other one, I mean, look, Brandon Brown has some special qualities at D-line. And so a guy you have committed, um, you know, that's a tough – he would be one because I just don't think there are that many combination of First and second step quickness, violence with hands, naturally strong, enough length, guy that can pursue the football outside the hash marks at that position. He's kind of rare. Yeah.
0: All right. Hey, I want to I want to bring this topic up, uh, go to the next topic here that I had penciled in to kind of discuss today. Um, I, I don't know if y'all saw this or not, but the NCAA is announcing and ESPN said they've agreed on a new playoff format in another agreement through like 2030 or something like that. I think it was. So they they've agreed to a seven year extension or so in the college football format or playoff. Here's the issue with that guys. So it's a 12 team format. It has to have five conferences of which the Pac 12, which is now the Pac two is one of those spots. <laughs> Washington state and Oregon state are either going to get paid a Brinks truck for passing up this opportunity, or they're going to make it into somebody's conference. And they'll they'll get that some of that money that way. I mean, I, I don't know what to say. How are Washington State and Oregon State, unless they bring in? I mean, who else would they even bring in to create a conference? Boise State, Air Force, Colorado State, San Diego State? I mean, what what are they even going to do? I mean, that's what I don't understand about this. So right now, the NCA is in a pickle, and Jerome brings this up uh, with the changing college landscape. Likely, is it more likely to break away from the NCA in the future? When do you think player trades will start huh. happening between schools? I don't think that's going to happen because there's nope. something called academics here. Yeah. Uh, but what What are the thought? What's the pr- thought process for you guys? Did we just? Do we just burn it all down and start over with the NCAA, or do you just take out football and keep all the rest of the sports? What what, what are y'all What are y'all's thoughts here?
2: I think it's inevitable that at one point, um, the separation of the have and have-nots, and in football with the the multi-billion-dollar kind of sports industrial complex that we're dealing with now. Um, with all the big brands now being consolidated in the SEC and the Big Ten. And then the blue blood brands in the ACC actually that won out. Because now they all see all the, the Florida states and North Carolina. Well, they're trying to get, get out, and where are they gonna go? Where are they're gonna go to the Big Ten or they're gonna go to the SEC. And, and and like I said, I think you're gonna get to the point where we're in a it's a we're in a it, it, if you got a smartphone, you got a Apple or you got an Android, right? You got an iPhone or an Android. That's it. Those are the two places you go to get your smartphone. That's the college football world we're going to. Big yep. Ten and the SEC. And that's where all the big brands are going to be. Because I nobody knows exactly what gave the, the conferences their Power Five status, right? They 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 said this group is Power Five, this group is Group of Five. But ultimately, if you look at it, the commonality was blue bloods. They had college football blue bloods scattered throughout those power five. The group of five had, they didn't have any Notre Dame was their own separate entity. And the group of five didn't have any blue bloods. Go are good. And there are no blue bloods in the group of five. Never have been. That's really what they were thinking about. And those blue bloods are now, like I said, they're going to just two conferences, sec and big 10. That's where all the money is. That's where all the exposure is. So I think inevitably that'll be it. I don't know when they'll decide they want to separate from the NCAA and college football will be its own thing. It's own unique. Enterprise. I don't know how they're gonna do it, especially Title Nine working it out. I'm sure they'll just throw money at the problem, whatever it may be. But it's gonna happen. It's already happening. And and by the way, the talent will also be consolidated there, because the NIL is the law of the land, and the NIL is pretty much the free market of college football now. And all these young guys even want to achieve at the Group of Five level or at some other you know mid major. They end up wanting to transfer to go to play big time college football. So the talents all migrating to two conferences, all your money is all your blue bloods, all your big brands. That's it. I mean, nope, that's going to be major college football. And then then the networks are saying, well, I'm not going to pay for major college football. I'm not giving as much money to the other college football because all the eyeballs are consolidated as well. This is I, I think it's inevitable. I don't know. Any other direction, unless the federal government and the NCAA ended up ho- having some unholy bond. And I can't see that because the federal, the just the, the judges in all the courts in the highest court of the land has already told you they don't like the NCAA. They believe they're a borderline criminal syndicate. And please bring us more cases so that we can totally emasculate them. And so I, they, they can't, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what the NCAA is going to do. I don't know what their recourse is, but I, I can see where this is going.
1: Hey, I, I I had a college a, a group of five. Rod put that better than I could. So I had a group of five, Coach, three years ago. Uh, Bobby, you'll probably remember a couple of years ago. I, uh, tell me, he thinks they ought to have what will end up being the two big conferences, regular football season, and the G5s have a spring league. He said, so he thinks that's what it should go to, realistically, because he said, "Look, that would with your portal windows, will the guys that want to transfer down can transfer down and play with us in our spring league? The guys that are transferring up, because he realized we're pretty much double A baseball, is what Mm -hmm. we are, moving forward." And I kind of y'all's opinion. I think that's not. I think college football would be pretty healthy. If you had, okay, people would watch a spring league with G5, guys, if they absolutely two. would. I would, because you know I some of do. them, yeah, <laughs> no, It's do. a double. You're watching double-A baseball, man. It's
0: not bad. I, I will say this. The other thing about that, though, that the reason it won't happen if the NCAA is involved, what's the number one moneymaker for the NCAA? That's not for college sports, but for NCAA, it's hoops. They won't. Yep. So if if it's part of the NCAA, they're not going to do it. No. they're just not. And right. I and I feel like um, you know that that's one common sense approach you could take, Jerry. Yeah. That, among many, right? And I feel like I feel for whatever reason uh, we don't get to see that enough, the, the common sense approach, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, you could also sit there and look at guys that play in the spring. And say, hey, this guy needs to move up a rung. He needs to he needs to go in the yeah. portal at the end of the year yep. and go play at a Texas or Alabama or Ohio State or wherever, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's a lot of that. That makes a lot of sense. I just don't know that coaches are gonna. I, I don't know that the NCAA has the. You know, I don't think they have the you know what's to, to make those kind of decisions. And doesn't do they feel like that. they should, because to Rod's point, they get emasculated every time they try. You yeah. know, they, they get told no. I, um, I feel like we, we we bark up this tree a little bit, um, but one of the things I would add and circle back to for you guys is that that right now we are in the NCA system, but the NCA doesn't even know what's going to be around in three months. No. Nope. Based on, I mean, Dartmouth's team got c- categorized as employees. Yeah. That's big. You know? That's unbelievable. They don't even get scholarships at Dartmouth. Mm-hmm. Okay, but they're going to be categorized as employees. Um, I, I feel like all of it put, put together, there's going to have to be a situation that comes to pass where we figure out where all this goes. Because right now, I don't see it. I just don't, I don't see a path forward that makes a lot of sense within the NCAA ecosystem. And you know, Chris Del Conte uh, has has done some speaking in private uh, with with folks and stuff. And you know, he doesn't know. He's like, "Look, good luck figuring out what's going to happen." He's not a lawyer, you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, yeah. I'm trying to, I'm trying to lead this aircraft carrier the best I can, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's all I can do, Um, and make sure that we do the best that we can. And I think he's got the right attitude about that because. He doesn't, you know, there are a hundred different lawyers looking at this stuff, trying to figure out what's next. I just want it to come out to where, whether it's 48, 64, I really don't care.
1: I just want to see the guys play that should be playing and it be competitive. That's, that's my biggest piece. Uh, By by the way, uh, Santana Wilson has to reschedule. He'll come on with us this week. Okay. Good deal.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a
2: tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Um, No, I think, I think ultimately, this is why I love the move by you know, the, the Texas, the leadership, you know, Jay Hartzell and Kevin O type behind the scenes and CDC going to the SEC. Cause yeah, people say it's about money, but you know, Texas got money, right? Texas printing money over there. Okay. They've been having money, money. Uh, Ray McCombs said, right. They got more money. Than anybody except the Catholic church. He wasn't lying. They got lots of money over there. The move was not all about money. It was about security because the SEC had a leadership. They had a vision. And with the changing landscape of college sports, that's one thing that leadership knows. They're like, man, nobody knows what the hell's gonna happen in college sports right now. Nobody. We have no idea. Hell, the federal government can any time can step in and go, listen, we got a lot. We got a federal legislation for NIL. We got this. Boom, and that could change everything at any given moment too. We have no idea what's gonna happen. With that being your new normal, you need better leadership. And at the time, I like Brett Yarmark better, but at the time, they didn't have it in the Big Twelve. And you had to go somewhere where if, if, if the landscape shifts on you and, you know, it and the 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 ground beneath your feet right is taken out, that, you know, you got secure leadership that has a vision for, you know, the the future of your, your brand, the future of your conference. And the SEC was as stable as it got. It, it was more stable than the Big Ten. Big Ten got a better TV deal. But the SEC, in terms of college sports, to me, they, they have better leadership. Yeah, the Big Ten even changes leadership. On they just got another. I mean, it, the SEC's got the most stable leadership, and that's where that's where they want they want it to be.
1: And, and and I'll say this, and it might have been a smaller piece to it, but look, people looked around and said, well, oh, hold on, now, all these kids talk about playing in the SEC. Mm-hmm. We're at a competitive recruiting disadvantage, and 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 that has to be." That had to be addressed, and that's part of that security, Rod. It is. That has to be addressed because, look, people might think, well, the, the powers that be at Texas, they don't care. They don't pay attention. They don't know who Colin Simmons is. But uh, No, nah, that's not true. When guys like Colin Simmons are coming out their sophomore year saying, I'm going to play in the SEC, right? Whoa, okay, and you see more kids going that way, more kids mm-hmm. going that way, and the reasons they're saying they're going that way, you know, uh, that's where the national championship. are. Are coming from NFL draft, blah blah blah, all the way. All your bullet points are true. Then you, if you take you take a step back and say, "Whoa, now this isn't one or two guys saying this. This is nine out of the top fifteen guys in the state. This is yep. fifteen of the top twenty guys you're trying to recruit around the country are all saying the same thing." Mm-hmm. Uh, so that has that played a part in it on some level. But that Great
2: goes security. Great point, brother.
1: Yeah, I I, I feel like y'all are. We're all
0: talking about the same thing here. I do believe that that the going into the SEC provides direction to Rod's point, and it provides advantage to Jerry's point. Both of those things. The the question I have is that this new um, committee that they created, we haven't really heard who is the person on that committee right. for the University of Texas. Is that Jay Hartzell? Because they said it was going to be chancellors presidents or ADs Mm. and Texas and the SEC and the big 10, they're going to have all that, that mix. Well, who's that representative for the university of Texas? We don't know yet, you know? And so that's going to be interesting. I don't know if they've had their first meeting Hmm. either. So let's put it, let's put it that way, because I, I feel like, um, if we knew more about this and we would have a better understanding if you recall, Greg Sankey, though said that it's important that we do something about this now. Yep. It wasn't a hey let's let's sit on our let's take roll and then talk about it and then come back and convene in six months. It was we need to do something about this now. All right, that that's going to do it. We'll, we'll we'll talk more about that. We can talk about the NCAA and what what to do there or not to do for the next month uh, or or six months perhaps. Let's get on uh, back to a little Longhorn talk here. Uh, This one from King, me, Jerry, and Rod. Any true sophomores you're excited to see their progression by the spring game? I'm going to add this one. I already mentioned Warren Roberson on Friday, uh, I believe, and uh, heard that he has been looking good yet again. uh, It could be a situation, guys, by the way. The Gunners next year, Trey Wisner, Warren Roberson. Just put that one out there for you. Who, Who do you have as sophomores? or at least in the 2023 class that you might put in that that uh, category guys. Sadir. that's
1: that he's Mitchell. my number 1.
2: So yeah, Sadir Mitchell. Yep, I agree. You yeah, I mean that guy's got I mean he's got all the raw tools and he's got all the measurables and at that position specifically Texas right now, they need guys to step up. They need they need a they need a, a healthy rotation at that position. I think they got good front line guys, but going to the SEC, Jerry talks about it all the time. Line of scrimmage league, bigger bodies, you know, stronger, uh, better athletes uh, on the lines of scrimmage. Those guys are going to get it worn down, and they're going to need you know quality reps from a healthy rotation of guys. So he's got to be one of them. This is the year.
1: I have a feeling we're we're all going to be talking defense here uh, on this. Answer this question. Somebody De- ski break brought up Derrick Williams. Absolutely. Uh, somebody just brought up Billy Walton. I mean, Derek Williams is one for me <clears throat> because it's the same thing as you move into the league. I mean, look, it's going to be bigger, longer arm, faster receivers in the SEC, right? I mean, it, it's just a this competition and athleticism is going up. That doesn't mean all the teams are better, but all you have to do is follow the NFL draft. It, it's right there in bright light. So, I mean, Derek Williams, I, it, Bobby, I, Rod, it, I've, ne- I've only heard this one time in a press signing, a press conference, a coach say, Ah oh, this guy could be a first-round pick one day. That's not just something you say, man. I mean, so if Derek Williams in year two, does he make that big jump that you start to say, whoa, okay, this guy's going to end up being a first-round pick? That makes – how much better does that make you? Um, so he, he is one for me. Uh, obviously, those young DBs, Warren Roberson, you said – um, Malik Muhammad, those guys. Bobby, I'm going to let you talk about a little bit about linebacker because I think also LaFoul, some of these guys. What's a Darian Galette going to look like a year learning a position? So somebody's asking about Colton Vosick. Vosick's still battling injury. We'll see if he's fully healthy by spring. I I got to be uh, the Galette.
0: The call of Darien Galette is one that I've, you know, he was the guy that they mentioned in winter work. So during the bowl practices, he actually got brought up to me, um, but I haven't heard his name again since. Um, and so, you know, that it's not that long ago, right? It's only a month since they were down in New Orleans, um, or maybe a little bit less than that. I mean. So, or more than that. I mean, I, I I feel like if we look at it that way, in that way only the linebacker spot is is going to be, whether it's Akana Lafau. Gallette, Burrell, Walton, and, and some of them are edge guys, and they're they're playing around with them trying to be two different things at times. I mean, they're gonna get guys are gonna get looks at two spots. Um, I think all of those guys are ones, but I I look, I'm with y'all. I think it's I think it's Sadir Mitchell. Um, I think that's that's the one. Perhaps the other one is Jonte Cook, in my opinion. Because I think is gonna have it's gonna be his first primetime appearance, right? I mean, he's been a, a supporting role player. He came in with the cameo, right? Rod. He's now going to be a supporting actor. Yeah. Right. And so I think that's going to be a big one uh, at tight or at a, uh, at wide receiver. Beyond that. I just don't, you know, wait and see more from Cedric Baxter. What's he look like three yeah. yeah. months hits, you know, after yeah. having
1: a, a good season or a good offseason. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think you want to hear coming out of the spring names of a couple, three of these young linebackers though, because that's really a position that would they have five guys in that 23 class, that number three ranked class. You want to start to hear about a couple other guys outside of Anthony Hill, right? I mean, we know Anthony Hill is going to be a future NFL draft, but does Lulonga Lafau take that step, right? Do you hear Galette? Do you hear Samaje Burrell after Richard? I'm just the, you know, to Celia Cona, who didn't go through spring practice last year. Do you start to hear some of these guys mentioned a little more? Because I do think that depth is going to be needed uh, in 2024. Then it's going to have to come from younger guys in that depth.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, we can we can talk about that, but what it's also one year away from when they most linebackers really like Jalen Ford did not really do much until the latter part of his second year. Right. And so you're asking those guys to expedite their process, even the, and and Anthony Hill is a different category, right? Because. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so just remember that a lot of people want to get these guys out and going so quickly. I just don't know. I don't know if they can. Hey, uh, Justin Yarbrough has a super chat here for us. Uh, Jerry, I love to see all the talent coming out of Galveston County. It's been a few years since we've seen that much talent coming out of our area. What do you think of that? I mean, Jonah Williams is down there, Tyler Thomas at Dickinson. Is Dickinson
1: Galveston County? I I don't know for sure. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. So uh, I'll bring up a couple of names. Here's what makes this Galveston County so good right now. So Hitchcock. Well, they won state last year in basketball. They're favored to win it again. We'll see. But they have a kid, Bryce Dorsey, that's uh, going to UNLV. They, just remember the name. He'll portal up in a couple of years. He's just one of those guys that was, uh, for whatever reason, was under-recruited. But you just watch – you can watch his huddle tape, and it's one thing. You watch him guard the basketball. I've been the two Hitchcock basketball games this year, and you're like, whoa, this guy has the dog in him, okay? And so you know he's going to UNLV. With that chip on his shoulder to prove everybody wrong, you don't guard the basketball like that if you don't have it, okay, 94 feet and move the feet and shuffle and do all the things he does, slide and be physical and recover and chase the ball all around the basketball. Those guys don't grow on trees. So that's a guy that if he stays healthy uh, and ends up playing safety, watch out for a guy to portal up. But, yeah, Jonah Williams, um, you have Kelshawn Johnson at Hitchcock. You have Malcolm Simpson who was at ball now at Hitchcock, the lineman, um, who I think has a chance. I think getting his academics situated. Gallison Ball's got four or five Division One guys. Jonah's the name there, leaning to Oklahoma. But they have three other guys that'll go G five. A couple of those guys will end up portal. They'll go to Double A baseball, end up in the majors. Uh, but there's a lot of talent. Dickinson's had a number of guys. Their guys just have to go maximize. They had the guys in the uh, 22 class that went to A and M. Obviously, the tight end at the ACL, the offensive line, PJ Williams, who just. It kind of was a disaster there, one of those disasters in that class. So uh, those guys need to maximize. Dickinson's got a lot of young talent. They got a couple of uh, a borderline G5, P5 tight ends on that team. Uh, they've got a lot of young talent. That's where some of those kids that used to go to Lamarck and Texas City are now going to Dickinson. Um, so there's, there's a lot of talent right down there right now. Um, uh, Hitchcock is Hitchcock's got the quarterback committed to Texas Tech in 25. That's a really good athlete. Kelshawn Johnson, I think, is a top hundred level kid in the country. Uh so there could there, there's three guys from Galveston County, maybe four. We'll see what Tyler Thomas looks like there's at least three guys that are gonna be top three hundred level kids in the country out of Galveston County. that's been it's been a while. Hey, I, I got this one. E. Kim wow. is
0: asking, does Texas ever get lacrosse as a competitor to the sport? Just like beach volleyball. Maybe if it's female lacrosse.
2: Yeah, no more male uh, sports.
0: Texas right now is looking at uh, adding women's sports,
2: mm-hmm. not
0: men's sports, because of Title IX. Yep. Um, your student body uh, representation has to equal your athletic representation. And I think Texas is in the 50s to low 60% female to male population right now on campus. Um, And so they need more female sports most likely to stay in compliance with title IX. I don't know if that means gymnastics equestrian. I mean, who knows what, what uh, uh, Chris Del Conte has up his sleeve in that, in that regard. Uh, But I do believe that that's going to be the case. All right. I want to say thanks uh, again to our sponsor uh, each and every Sunday night live stream brought to you by our friend, Mark Saunders, Texas all state agent. When it comes to protecting all your stuff, wouldn't it be great to have one place that protects it all? Here's some good news. Texas Allstate agent Mark Saunders is the only insurance agent you need to help keep tabs on protection of all your stuff. Everything from your home, car, and boat to your motorcycle, RV, and ATV. Call Texas Allstate agent Mark Saunders' office today at 512-218-8571. Are you in good hands? With more than 35 years of experience, you will be with Texas alum Mark Saunders, give him a call, 512-218-8571. Guys, we have about 10 more minutes here uh, left in the live stream. Uh, anything that you guys are, are, are particularly wanting to talk about,
1: Jerry or, or Ron? Yeah, I need to answer UT Boy. I agree with him. Casey Hampton's the best I've ever seen, football player I've ever seen, come out of Galveston County. When I was hey. at the basketball game last week, though, an old retired coach from Lamarck, and I say old, okay, look, older than me, about, about 25, 30 years, that <laughs> James Francis at Lamarck could give Hampton a run for his money. And I know Bobby oh. saw that. Uh, so th- those are the two names that everybody brings up from Galveston County as the best two football players they've ever seen come out of there. And Patrick Bates was the third guy mentioned, by the way, who ball went to A&M, the six four five 5 safety that played in the NFL with the Raiders. Those are the three names you hear the most down there.
2: Yeah, Casey Anthony might be the best football player I played with too. I mean, he was he was on that yeah. kind of level. About what Rod just said, guys. That dude is a man. He was so damn good. He really was. He led us in tackles, guys, from D from the D 100 tackle tackles position.
1: At nose guard? Are you kidding me? That's <laughs> you know, one of the most remarkable <laughs> stats you'll ever see. Who gets a hundred tackles in college football? At nose guard, and, and that was in. 11 or 12 games, right? We're not yeah. talking about 14 games,
2: yeah. And think about it. that means he's had to be guys, he, he's running down the field on a lot of plays. Usually, you see interior D linemen, their job is done, the ball's down the field, so they're not chasing. No, dude, he was chasing, jumping on piles down the field. He was, uh, I, I'm telling you, man, y'all, we don't appreciate Casey Hampton enough. I agree, I agree. yeah, yeah. I
1: totally agree. Uh, the truth I is, tell- actually,
2: there may be an impact. I was thinking about this the other day. Similar to, because in 2000, we lost Casey Hampton and Sean Rogers. We were freaking out a little bit. Like, man, it, it, this defense, I hope we can transition. I mean, we got some talent, but that's a hell of a loss to lose the best D-tackle duo in all of college football. That's what they were. They are in the first yes. round and the second round. They really were, just like Sweat and Murphy are right now. But it, 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 it's crazy. Think about what we had coming in. Right, We had Derrick Johnson coming in later on. You know, at that linebacker position, as a freshman, he ended up becoming great. Corey Redding had already been recruited, so he was a big edge guy at the time, and grew into being a D tackle in the league, basically. Um, and we were we started we were built from the outside in because they started recruiting all these really good coverage guys like myself, Nathan Basher. They had a Quentin Jammer already there, and I keep telling folks that's what this defense should look like. This defense now should be a defense that is, the it, it it still should be a really good defense, but the strength of it should be the, the 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 back the back end the back seven instead of the front seven. The just like we were, and we got all these great athletes that they had recruited. We were coverage guys. We didn't have. I think our D tackles were like Maurice Gordon and a young Marcus Tubbs. You know, we weren't we weren't stacked in the interior. But we were, we were nice on the edges, and we had speed for days. We were built. Those Texas City boys, going back to Galveston, we had them Texas City boys as our yep. linebackers. Everett Rawls, Tyrone Jones, you know what I mean? Like, we were built different, and we were still top 10 defense. We were just built different. And hopefully that's the case for this defense, that there's still a, a really good defense, bordering on being a great defense. It's just the production is coming from the back seven instead of being, you know, the genesis of it being from that front seven in that front.
1: 100% agree, great point, Rod Babers. 100% agree. If the more edge pass rush you have, the better your secondary plays. It just if if Texas takes that step rushing the passer next year, it's going to be amazing what happens for yep. the Texas defense because as good as they were on the interior, they needed more edge pass rush when it came to Washington game against Michael Penix because your D tackles are not going to get him to the ground in those games. Not a needed really
0: needed against,
2: against Oklahoma. Oklahoma, yeah. <laughs> so you're right. You're right. It's exactly That's the right. one
0: that still. I mean, Penix went off. Dylan Gabriel just ran. Right.
2: You
0: know, and then hit yep. open receivers. Um,
1: you know. I, I feel like that's that's part of it.
2: Hey, I'm uh, you the two, do two
1: most important guys next year for Texas for me are Trey Moore and Colin Simmons. That's big. I, agree I think even Burt, in that regard, Jerry. Yeah, if, if,
0: like you, that. if you're talking about a guy that steps up and talking about going, like we talked about early in this uh, deal about him going at number eleven overall or whatever it is, it's just a total different. I mean, that that would, to me is a double-digit sack guy. At the college, at at the big, big, big school level.
2: Yeah, all those got Barry Sorrell too. Throw Sorrell in there if we go go edges. I'm with you. All four of them. We need all four of them dudes to be big time, big time yep. next year.
0: Yep. Yep. All right. Hey, this one's from Aloha Traveler. Aloha, fellas. Do you guys think the wide receiver circle of trust gets expanded out to as many as six oh. players this year? I get a feeling Sark is going to rotate more to put more pressure on defenses with all of this speed. Rod, I'm going to start with you because you you're the one that that coined the term circle of trust. So you get you get the you get the uh duties of of uh discussing this first. Uh,
2: okay, yeah okay, this my theory is that he will because all the way to was, 6 though not the six. Yeah. I don't know if he'll get to six. I think he'll expand the circle is what I'm saying. I don't know if he'll get to six. Six is a lot. That's a lot. That's, that's Tom Herman type stuff. So I don't know <laughs> I don't know if he'll go, you know, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know if we'll see that. You know, it'll be mean, kind Money out there. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if we'll get there. But I will say the the loss of JT, JT Sanders is the most, to me, I think he is the biggest loss on offense. Um, I think it's easier to replace receiver production than it is that freakish tight end there. You just, that's kind of what we talked about. This kind of like linebacker. It's hard to find those kind of just freakish tight ends like a JT. So I think they're going to miss him the most. And I do think what they may use to supplement that is that just that speed at wide receiver. I know they got Night Black coming in and I like Gunnar Helm too, but those are different types of tight ends. They're not the freaks that JT Sanders is on an every down basis. He was arguably the biggest matchup nightmare that you had period on offense. Um, and, but I do think, and I've said this before, I wonder if Sark, because Sark, he, every now and then he'll dive back into his bag of goodies and bags of tricks, things that he's acquired throughout his time as a play caller in different stops. And when he went at Alabama and he had them four receivers, Waddle and Judy and Devontae Smith and Ruggs, man, he had, he had the red package and there was just a four, it was four, it was 10 personnel, one back, zero tight ends, four wide receivers on the field and you know, the justification is simple, right? I mean, why don't you throw out there the four wide receivers who are first round picks, nightmare fuel, and force a defensive coordinator to figure it out, right? For, just force the defensive coordinator to figure, figure that out, all right? What, what, what personnel package you want to run against these four wide receivers? Because there's a matchup, uh, there's a matchup advantage and a mismatch somewhere on, you know, and we just got to find it. And I think Texas can do the same thing because they do have, just a plethora of really talented wide receivers they're bringing in. Golden, Vaughn, Bolden. They'll have a young Junte Cook. Ryan Wingo is one of those guys where, man, you just see – you look at that guy and you go, well, they got to play him some. They got to throw him out there. They got to sprinkle him yeah. in there at least. Yeah. I mean, that guy's are freak. I mean, we're at four or five right there just with that group right so, there. To, Rod,
1: to Rod's point, he just named the five. So I think spring practice is huge. We're, we'll be talking about all the positions. Uh, for the next month and a half, slot receiver. Since Silas Bolden is not here this spring, the Andre Moore and Ryan Niblet here's your chance. If you if you don't bust through this spring, it's going to be tough to be that six for Sark to put that six man on the field because these guys are going to have a lot of opportunity this spring to show. Okay, we've grown. We're ready. Okay, Sark can trust one of us to put us on the field and get that number to six. I think your five are spot on. I think DeAndre Moore, uh, I think Niblet needs to continue to be patient in his development, unless he just comes out this spring and is totally different. But DeAndre Moore, man, this is your spring. Time to go get it done. Yep. And if, it, if it's going
0: to expand, so I think they're going to have four for sure. Cook, Golden, Bond, and Bolden. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's four. Question is, Ryan Wingo joined that group. DeAndre Moore joined that group.
1: That that and, and, for, and for Wingo, let's let's be clear on something. We he's extremely talented. Like he is a more naturally talented guy than Ad Mitchell coming out of high school, right? And that's saying mm-hmm. something. Ad Mitchell's about to go late first, early second. Mm-hmm. But here's what Jonte Cook is talented as he was last year. He learned it's a hard system to pick up. Right, Rod? All the pre snap movement. True. Everything yeah. you're asked to do, you saw it in the Big 12 championship game. Jontae Cook came in, didn't get lined up right, and that was it. <laughs> you know? yeah. Or there was a game. I can't remember. Maybe it in the Big 12 championship game. But if you talk, if we interviewed Jontae now, he'd be like, yeah, man, this is a lot more difficult than I thought it was coming out of high school just to picking up the system and then putting it in play and being comfortable with it. If Wingo passes that test in the spring, then watch out. You really have something.
2: Yeah, that's, and that's what's my- on Wingo. And to Jerry's point, and Sark admitted this, right, that he taught, he teaches all the receivers all the positions. That's right. He throws it that's all along, teaches all the receivers all the positions because he wants position fluidity. And, yes, that can be a lot for someone new to the system. That can be a lot for a young guy. That's why it is a circle of trust because once you, once you show him that you can learn all of that, you have that capability, you have that intellectual capacity, that's when you crack the circle. But until then, and by like Jerry said, you could hey, you can get, just as easily as you get in the circle, you can do something, and then there says distrust and circle kick you out the circle. You're running you like Casey Kane going, I thought I was in the circle. And like, nope, no, nah, not now. You're outside the circle. I'm like, oh damn, what happened? You out, whatever. You got to go back and watch the film to find out why you outside the circle because you ain't in the circle anymore, right? So you don't you don't just guarantee to stay. In, and by the way, just because you transfer, ask Isaiah New York, don't mean you're gonna be in the circle. Just because you came here don't guarantee you're going to be in the circle of trust. I said, now you're still trying to get that in that circle. you like, what the hell? I thought I was in the circle. Nope. 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 It's Tariq Milton. It, it, hey, man, just Sark is really particular. About, he works really close with the receivers. He's really particular about guys and how they run his routes. Not, uh, Nigel Robert, Nigel Robertson
1: led me into it, baby. He had to do it. Most anticipated spring practice in, since 04 for me, guys. And I, I'm, I'm going to keep banging the drum till my dr- drumsticks break in half. You're going to see a lot of arch. Okay. Last year, he was in there with the walk-ons, getting chased around the football field for an hour and a half, right? Uh, <laughs> was- Anthony Hill made his life hell. <laughs> right. He never got to really step into a throw and throw against the walk-on on deep balls and all that stuff, Right. But I just think this is going to be such an anticipated spring practice. The move to the SEC coming off the playoff. uh, I mean, Trey Owens will get some looks in the spring. But this, you know, it's going to be a lot of Quinn and Arch here. um, Mm -hmm. Because this is really, let's be real, Quinn's back for another year. This is the spring that gets Arch ready to take the reins next year. I mean, it, 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 that's just a reality for all this. Um, not to say that there won't be competition. There's always competition. But then 17 early enrollees, the guys out of the portal that are here. I guarantee you people are going to be t- so – there will be questions in our chat. How's Civea? What's he look like? We need help on defensive line. Think about all the things with the program. You're about to have nine, ten guys drafted, 11 at the combine. But going to the SEC, ranked top five preseason – Quinn will be one or two on the Heisman list, right? People will want to see them. They'll get to see the most of Arch they have since mm-hmm. he's been at Texas. See all these younger classes grow up, right? I think people are going to be looking at the offensive line. Okay, what? So is Hayden Connor getting a little time at right tackle? What does that mean at left guard? You know, I mean, so what? What does Trevor Gooseby look like at six seven and three quarters, three fifteen? at the backup left tackle. What does Brandon Baker look like at right? Just think about all the talent. Neto, is Neto making a run here at left guard? I mean, I could keep going down the list, right? Think about the safety position. Derek Williams, Makuba. I mean, <clears throat> as talented as Texas was last year. Oh, nope, forget about Nye Black. I, Rod and I are a little different on Nye Black. I think Nye Black, at the, the athleticism, the tight end position, I think it's going to be pretty special. Maybe not as good a player. Is JT, but man, it's downfield. I just think this is a special spring practice coming up.
0: Um, night Black, you mentioned that night black average yards that he was thrown to this year by Jalen Millie Mil- was 16 yards away. CJ Vogel came mm-hmm. up with that one. That stat for us JT Sanders by comparison was like 11. Yep. He, he had like the rest of the tight ends in the country by like a full <laughs> three yards. It was it was yeah. something crazy. I want to say thank you to Aloha Traveler uh for that uh, super chat as well as you, Justin Yarbrough, uh as well. Appreciate that. Uh I, I do have to there's some comments in the chat. I just want to say this. I, I I came up off the top of my head of five guys from ball high in Galveston that have been <laughs> first round draft picks. Yeah. Wow. Damn. So um Casey Hampton is not the most recent. That's Mike Evans, right. Um, mm-hmm. who didn't play football until yeah. a senior year. Did not play wow. football as a basketball player. Patrick Bates. Yep. Uh you guys may not remember this. This may be
1: before y'all's time. Charles Alexander played at LSU runner-up to the Heisman. They were all on that, that great ball high team that lost to Beaumont French. Eric, Eric Hill, a linebacker, uh, first round pick. Uh <laughs> went to uh the wow. Cardinals.
0: Yeah, they they've had five to my knowledge. Now they, they may have more, more on the way I he's, You never know, but uh, it's uh, it's been a historic program down there. Uh, I would say that, and then I I will tell you guys that we will be back with you guys tomorrow morning uh, at 8 a.m. Jerry myself, Blake Monroe for Coffee and Football. I also want to say thank you to Mark Saunders of Allstate. Uh, Again, if you get a chance, give Mark and his team a call. Uh, They are available uh, for any and all insurance needs, uh, uh, 512-218-8571. Guys, that's going to do it for tonight. Uh, we'll talk to you guys again tomorrow morning. Please join us if you get a chance on ontexasfootball.com as well. We're on there talking football all day long. Uh, drop emails. Go to the community threads. Uh, feel free to start one. Talk amongst yourselves as well when we're not on these chats here. Uh, for Jerry Hamilton and Rod Babers, uh, as well as our producer, Matt uh, Hutchison, thank you all so much. This has been the Sunday Night Live Hook them.